Welcome to The Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio. Welcome, Quest family, into The Family Room, where you're joining me, Craig Wiesmeyer, again with Mari Cleveland and John Gordon. Glad to be back, guys. Good to see you. Glad to be here. We're really excited today, folks. We have an interview with Dr. Bob Schutz. Some of you may know him. He's the founder of the JP2 Healing Center in Tallahassee, Florida. He's a nationally renowned speaker throughout North America and overseas. He's also authored a number of books, uh, one being Be Healed, Encouraging the Powerful Love of Jesus in Your Life, Be Transformed, The Healing Power of Sacraments, and Be Devoted. Restoring Friendship, Passion, and Communion in Your Marriage, which is what our topic is going to be today. So we're very um, excited about that, looking forward to it. I think the three of us, as we um, read your book, Dr. Schutz, I think we've all been a bit convicted and very excited as well um, about what you're going to share with us and with all of our listeners here. And we always start our show um, by praying together. So can we start with a prayer? Mm-hmm. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you that we can be together today. And the words of Colossians are so perfect as we start. And this is from Colossians 2, 6 and 7, where Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk in him, rooted in him and built upon him and established in the faith as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And Lord, as we read those words, we just pray that our families and our marriages um, are ones where we walk in Jesus, we are rooted in him, and that our families and our marriages are built upon him and established in faith in him, and that we continue to give thanks to you for all the many blessings that you've given us. And we thank you for the blessing of Dr. Schutz and his ministry as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the Father, Amen. And the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Um, so, Dr. Schutz, as Craig just said, the book that we were really um, interested in having you share with us today is your book on Be Devoted. Um, and I love the, uh, the, the second part of that, Restoring Friendship passion and communion in your marriage. I know that so many of us want that. And we'd love to hear, um, give you a chance to share your story. Um, and so even from what happened with you as you were growing up, the story of your parents' divorce, the impact it had on your marriage, um, your marriage to, to Margie, and then what happened to actually lead you to write this book. And there may have been even more things that happened to lead you to this write, write this book, but we'd love to hear some of that background. All right, good. Stop me if I'm going too long, because I could tell this for a long time. <laughs> okay, everybody, settle in. <laughs> um, I grew up second oldest of seven children to a Catholic family, lived near my aunts and uncles and grandparents, all went to the same parish, went to Catholic schools, and my parents were very involved at a certain point in our life uh, with a Christian family movement. Mm. And, uh, and so there was just a strong sense of our Catholic identity and also a strong sense of the importance of family. You know, part of part of my family is Lebanese background, which has real strong family sense on my mother's side, and then also Irish on both grandmothers were Irish. And so there's really a strong sense of family, also the German side of the family. But um, 
I didn't realize at the time, but there were things that were under the current, uh, which really were wearing away at my parents' marriage without us really being aware of it. Mm. Uh, and some of it was uh, how they got married. They got married uh, after they got pregnant with my older brother, Dave. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of set up a foundation uh, for them. But also, uh, when I was six years old, my dad's parents died. My dad's mother died when I was four years old, and his father and his grandmother died in our home in a fire when I was oh. six years old. Oh, my goodness. And we were all gone, and they were they were there. They had just moved in six months earlier. And so my parents lost everything. Plus, my dad lost his dad and his great his grandmother. Hmm. Um, I didn't realize it. I don't think anybody realized it at the time. But that was the beginning of my dad beginning to withdraw his heart. Some he was still very involved in. You know, we'd go out and play together. He'd disciplinary, and he'd be our coach. So I was very close to my dad through this whole time. But my mom described that he, she could feel him starting to pull away. Mm-hmm. because he didn't want to lose anybody else, and he hadn't really dealt with that. And so some of the trauma of that uh, had let him also, he was involved with his, uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom with eventually seven kids, and my dad was involved with IBM. And so, you know, what we knew is they would go off on these trips together to Hawaii, and so it looked like their marriage was doing fine, mm-hmm. whereas I guess underneath it wasn't. And my dad began on his business trips alone, drinking, then getting involved with women. And by the time I turned 11 or 12, he started not coming home at night, some nights and and those things. And so you can see the turmoil begin to develop. And then my parents didn't fight a lot in front of us, but a couple of times I remember them, them fighting and then Eventually, he, he left. And when he left, he left with the idea that we were going to join him uh, after he got settled. We were, lived in Pittsburgh, and he was going to, we were going to join him in Philadelphia. But it was actually a year later, or six months later, when, when my mom heard from him mm-hmm. and said that he wanted a divorce. And it was just shattering to me. I, I, I not only loved my dad, but I loved our faith and our family and uh I'd really missed him during that time. Uh, and and so I really, I didn't see my dad for two years. Oh, mm. oh wow. In that time. And, and so it was probably age 14 to 16. And my brother, who was a year and a half older, during that time when my dad was gone, started to get heavily involved in drugs. And by the time he was 16, uh, maybe 17, he became a heroin addict. Mm. So he just kind of escalated on that. So I, in that period of time, I was losing both my dad and my older brother in effect, because uh, we all moved to Florida, my mom and six of the kids. And my mom obviously is struggling during this time. She had gotten her degree. She was, you know, raising her family on food stamps. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, her parents and family were helping some, but she ended up going back to school actually in marriage and family. In psychology, actually, uh, with her interest. And, you know, we, we somehow made it through that stage uh, by God's grace. You know, one of the things that my mom would often say is, God's your real father. He'll provide for us. He'll, you know, mm-hmm. So she 
she kept faith during that time. My dad had a faith, but he ran away from it for about 20 years um, after that. And uh, it was only after he went through a second family and divorced again and the same problems that he went into AA and began his recovery. Mm. So kind of as I went through high school and college, uh, I remember taking a course in high school. It was at Chaminade Catholic High School in South Florida. And a priest taught a course on the psychology of religion, but it was all focused on marriage and family. Mm, wow. And there was something something that came alive in my heart uh, that I think at that moment I said, I want to study psychology in, in college. But when I got to college, I went to Columbia University in New York City. When I got there, it was more social psychology and experimental psychology. It wasn't at all what had attracted <laughs> my heart. Yeah. Uh, and... While I was in high school, I met my wife. Uh, we were both in high school together. We got married my last year of college. And then within a year later, we had our first daughter and then second daughter when I was in graduate school. So I'm progressing in married life and professional life as a marriage and family therapist and a teacher. Uh, but I hadn't dealt with the pain mm. Mm -hmm. uh, of my heart. And so what was happening without me realizing it is as my wife and I began to have conflicts, I would find my heart pulling away. Mm. And as my heart was pulling away to protect myself, it was really the things from childhood that I hadn't dealt with that were coming to the surface that I didn't know. And that created a crisis between us. Uh, and I, you asked about the title of the book, title of the book came from one of those moments when I was really struggling and I was trying to reassure myself and my wife that I was committed because my worst fear was divorce, having experienced mm, that. Right. I didn't sure. want anybody to go through that pain. My children, my wife, me, and I never really wanted divorce, but with my, my heart struggling, it was like, is this the only honest thing to do? You know? Mm. And so I, I said to her, uh, I, I want you to know I'm committed to our marriage. And she said, I don't want your commitment. She said, your damn commitment. I want your devotion. <laughs> oh, I don't uh, want your commitment. I want your devotion. Wow. Which I didn't realize how much I was just willing myself mm -hmm. to be in the relationship without her feeling my love and my heart towards her. So that title, Be Devoted, is, you know, as you look that up, it's a, it's a devotion of the heart. It's a, it's a heart commitment. And so that, that really shook me because I didn't realize even the state of my own heart at that time. Uh, I just knew I was struggling. And uh, that really pushed me, that and several other things pushed me into my own healing process. Uh, you know, up until this time, I'd gone to graduate school, marriage and family. I'd been a marriage and family therapist. And I thought I could just will myself to what was right and true. And at the time, I was active in my faith, but not active enough where it was influencing my marriage and family. Mm -hmm. You know, it was interesting as I graduated from graduate school. It was the same year that John Paul II wrote, uh, I guess it was when I entered graduate school, same year he wrote Theology of the Body, or mm -hmm. presented the Theology of the Body, but I, I wouldn't find that for maybe 15 years later. <laughs> Uh, which became part of the answer to how to be devoted, how to how to live that out. 
So we, uh, we kind of struggled uh, for a couple of years. I could feel the pain for my children, feeling our struggle. And then I had an experience. We tried marriage encounter. We tried other things. And those all helped. But it was really a, my own encounter uh, with Jesus on a retreat weekend called Christ Renews Parish Weekend mm-hmm. that uh, really opened my heart at another level. And then three months later, I had a healing experience related to my dad where I just was able to heal the pain of that abandonment and really release the pain and forgive him. And that things began to shift then in, in our marriage and our family life. But, you know, we, we still had conflict between each other. We still had issues in our relationship. But at that point, we both knew that we'd be together for life and that we loved each other. And, and Margie died four years ago, coming up uh, on the 18th. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad died two weeks before her. Oh, I just wow. celebrated his anniversary. But um, when I was in those last several months, it was just such a beautiful healing of a deepening of our love and of our family and children and grandchildren coming around. But as I uh, felt like I was saying goodbye to her, I uh, had such a sense of Jesus as her eternal bridegroom. Mm-hmm. And and so it was whatever limitations were there in our marriage, I, I just had this total confidence that she was going to be loved like she'd never been loved before. That's so and beautiful. That, and that I was going to hand her over to the true bridegroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's such peace in that. You know, as, as much as there's loss, there's just such complete peace because what I desired for her from the beginning was to love her with my whole heart. And, you know, in our limitations, we do that yeah. as well as we can, but we, we also run short of that. And, uh, you know, she did also on her part. But so that that really was a full circle completion. That is beautiful. And it is. And listeners, if you are just tuning in, you are listening to The Family Room here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio. And you're listening to Dr. Bob Schutz, and he's just done a beautiful job of actually taking us through his personal journey all the way from his childhood and um, just the beginning of his family um, of origin and taking us through kind of where God met him all along the way and to the very end um, and just brought him to a beautiful marriage with his wife. So um, thank you for the vulnerability of, of all in your story. I know that there's so many listeners who can resonate with so many aspects of what you just shared with us. I know we've got some other questions that we want to dive deeper into what you shared in your book as well. Yeah. Thank you. Dr. Schutz, when, when you talked about, this is the second time I've heard you talk about commitment versus devotion. And the first time it, it almost took my breath away because I'm one of those guys who believes if you're committed, man, take the hill. And when you, when you shared that, it, it was meaningful. And, and, and I also thought of it, um, we, we've talked about, we are created in the image and likeness of God. And it's so easy. It's, it's relatively easy to say that, to think that. But when you think about a marriage, a marriage is like the the earthly embodiment of the Trinity. Talk to us a little bit about how those pieces fit together and, and how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all involved in that same exchange. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. It's, you know, first of all, just to, to your point about devotion and commitment, I think 
women have much better sense of what it means to be devoted and us men we know the important commitment so it's it really women teach us how to love mm-hmm. in, in a deeper way uh, so um but in terms of the trinity yeah that you know the trinitarian love it's it's hard for us to even imagine the love in the trinity i, I think the best human picture we have of it is the holy family you know, if you think about Joseph representing the father and, and in a certain sense, Mary, even though she's the spouse of the Holy Spirit, she's also full of grace. So she embodies the love of the Holy Spirit and Jesus being the son. Uh, you know, we can, we can see images there of that kind of pure love, that self-giving love, that devoted love. And so if you extrapolate back from that, the Trinity must be so much more Mm. Uh, because they're not human, they're not limited by humanity, and 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 you know, just we when we do our conferences and we do a representation of that trinitarian love and the what we call human sculpting, and we just have a couple, Adam and Eve, come and be embraced in that trinitarian love, and, and to me, it's a sacrament of marriage. It's it's what the sacrament of marriage is meant to be. It's uh, even with our weaknesses, it's it's having our relationship immersed in the love of the Trinity. And even though it's always an incompleteness on this earth, it's really the fulfillment of what we long for in heaven, even though we won't be married in heaven, so to speak. Mm. But we'll all be surrounded in that kind of Trinitarian love. That's beautiful. What a beautiful image. Yeah. I mean, I've seen you do that on your unveiled retreat and, you know, watching people's interactions is incredible. Because what it reminds me and in, in what I want to ask you about is, Marriage was intended by God from the beginning of time to be one thing. And over time, it's been perverted. It's been kind of diluted. And frankly, in a lot of cases, it's been wrecked because now we're going to redefine what marriage is and what it isn't. But to your point, God already determined what marriage is supposed to be. So could you help us and help our listeners understand what was what is really God's vision for what marriage should be compared to what the world is, and what are the big pitfalls that we're going to see by continuing to live in the world's ver- version or vision of the of, of marriage compared to what God intended it to be? Yeah, you know we talk and again John Paul II uh, speaks about this so well. But if you go back to Genesis, and you know people say, well, Genesis isn't a literal historical account, but it's it's an account of the truth of the reality of what God intends. And, and so mm-hmm. from that standpoint, we can trust it as uh, a sacred revelation of God's intention. And in it, he says, man will leave his father and mother and be joined together and become one flesh. And let no man separate Jesus then later says when he's talking about that scripture. Mm-hmm. So this is an indissoluble, complementary relationship between man and woman for the purpose of be fruitful and multiply, right? And so anything outside of an indissoluble union between a man and a woman is not God's definition of marriage. It could be a lot of other things. People can be looking for love in all kinds of different ways, but marriage is exclusive to that. And if you think about, you know, when I when I wrestle with that one flesh union and what that means, obviously it's an allusion to the sexual embrace, to the sexual intimacy 
but it's so much more than that. It's, it's, it's not only two bodies coming together, but it's two lives coming together. It's two, two families coming together. It's two hearts coming together. It's two souls learning to grow together. And, you know, as I've pondered that over the years, I think the best expression of the one flesh union between my wife and I, are when I look at my children mm. and see the blending of all of our DNA, of all of our personalities, of all of our influence, that, that our children are the one flesh union of our love. Mm. They're, they're the embodiment of our love. And that's really God's design for marriage is, you know, he said man was made in God's image. And then when Adam and Eve had Seth, I think it was, it said, and Seth was made in the image of Adam and Eve, you know, it's, it's like children, children are in the image of their parents who are in the image of God. And when we lose the image of God and the kind of love that God has, then our children grow up modeling something that is less than God, that is less than real love. And God's love is permanent, it's covenantal, and it is self-giving. And and so that's really what devotion is. That's beautiful. That is actually beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I need a break. I know, really. (laughs) Take a deep breath. It is deep. Um, Just the thing, the whole creating the image and likeness of God, all the way to the point that we can be creators. Mm. Yeah. That... Right. We can share in that. Yeah, then creation. Yes, good. Then yep. creation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if you think about it, a man and women who aren't married can procreate, but they can't protect what they've procreated. No. You know, it's, and they can't protect each other's hearts. And so whenever division is brought into something that's meant to be a source of security and unity, then everybody's heart is going to be wounded in that. Mm-hmm. So it's possible they have children outside of that union, but what what is the good of those children? And we see most of the social problems we have in our world right now are the fruit of that, are the fruit of a breakdown of the, of the love between a man and a woman and the care for their children and the generations that are brought up in that kind of love. You know, if we bring in so-called same-sex marriage, it's the same thing. There's no possibility for procreation, mm-hmm. and there's a confusion that's entered into it. And naturally, everybody needs and wants love, but... It's not marital love, and sexuality is intended for communion and for procreation. And mm-hmm. so the absence of that changes the nature of the relationship from marriage to something else. And what's great about this, John, before you go mm-hmm. on, is though, what I love about what you're doing is you are speaking the truth mm-hmm. into everybody's life yeah. that was established by the church that God intended from the beginning of time when Christ came and did that. And we've lost truth. So thank you for being open and honest and speaking the truth. Yeah. And it's speaking yeah. it in a way that we can actually see. I, I just love that image of our children are the fruit. Our children are the fruit and they are. And then also the image I got as you were talking was the fact that how many generations are we further away from God's image and likeness, right? And you see that in certain families. You see that some families where they have stayed very faithful to the covenant that God created, you see that it continues, that the image of God, you see it through the generations. But for those families who've continued, who've walked away um, and haven't put themselves back into a place of restoration and healing, that they get farther and farther and farther away from the image of God. That's- yeah, that is so true. And, you know, I just look at it in my own family. 
all my brothers and sisters, because of the divorce, struggled with relationships. Mm. And it was God's bringing us back into relationship with him and healing us that allowed us then to reverse that generational curse, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so that our children and our grandchildren can then grow up in the image that God intended. But for all of us, that, that was a lot of painful work mm-hmm. uh, to, mm-hmm. to reestablish what God intended. And, you know, there's a lot of healing with my mom and dad too. And, and so they, at the end of life, also came back into the, the image that God intended, mm-hmm. uh, not with each other, but in their life. And my dad, as a, after an annulment, getting married and raising a child and living in the faith. So there's a lot of restoration and healing that can happen even in the most broken families to bring it back to that place of restoring the image. Mm-hmm. So we're just maybe a minute and a half or so away from a break. Um, but, uh, but Dr. Schutz, you talked in your, you spoke in your book about devotion to Christ. Just as we come to the end of this, um, of this, this first segment, you said devotion to Christ was central to having a successful and fulfilled marriage. Close this segment for us with, with your thoughts on that, please. Yeah. And, and people could argue with this and say, well, I've got a good marriage without devotion to Christ, but I, been challenged with how how deep is the love and how real is the love because so whatever you know jesus is the re, the definition of love he's he's the reality of love incarnate and if we want to love in our marriage the way that jesus loves we need to be loved by that kind of love we need to have that kind of devotion in our relationship with jesus for his love to be manifested in our love mm. and so receiving holy communion for example became a daily thing for me so that I could love with his love. Uh, and without that kind of devotion, I wasn't capable of loving uh, with his love because it's his love that's potent. It's his love that's devoted. Mm, that's beautiful. So as men called to love our spouses as Christ loved the church, almost impossible absent that devotion. It, it is impossible Christ. without his presence. And I just love the practical um, opportunity that you've given all of us daily mass and daily receiving communion daily. Um, we actually get to take in love himself, love incarnate, the, the one who is love and who can help us to offer love. And that's so beautiful. And that's one of the things that we really appreciate in your book as well, because your book is very pragmatic. It's very practical. In addition to these deep, very, very deep, um, and intimate ways that you've shared, you also have given listeners a lot of ways to, um, to work in their own marriages. And so when we come back from break, we're going to hear more about that. Um, and some of the things that you, that you share with us in your book. So listeners, you are listening to the family room where we are talking with Dr. Bob Schutz about his book. Um, and so please stay tuned. We will be back in just a few seconds. We're coming right back to the family room on the quest. Mass is a miracle that happens every minute of every day. From the rising of the sun to its setting, right now a Mass is being offered somewhere in the world. And in that Mass, simple bread and ordinary wine become Jesus Christ, God Himself. In this miracle, Jesus enters you when you receive communion. If you're not there, this miracle just can't happen to you. So please, meet me at Mass. Hey you, yes you, have you heard the good news? 
The Quest Atlanta app makes it easy for you to take AM 1160 The Quest with you, no matter the time of the day or the location. Listen to your favorite shows on demand, submit prayer requests, record a testimonial, and catch up on the latest headlines from Catholic news sources with ease. Just search for The Quest Atlanta in the App Store or on Google Play to download today. AM 1160 The Quest is your metro-wide Atlanta Catholic radio station. Our programming is rooted in the teachings of the Catholic Church and helps listeners learn new and fascinating aspects of our faith. Here at The Quest, our mission is simple and powerful, to invite, inform, and inspire listeners to embrace their journey of faith through the beauty of the Catholic Church. The Quest team continues to hear wonderful testimonies from listeners all around Atlanta. One listener shared, The Quest helps me grow my faith every day I listen. Every day, I feel the Holy Spirit talking to me through the quest. If I have a question, it seems like the answers come to me through this Catholic radio station in a timely manner. I enjoy the programming, and yes, it has changed me. It's definitely changed me. None of this would be possible without listeners just like you. We are a 100% listener-supported station. A donation of any amount helps to cover the ongoing operational expenses. Your donation is helping to bring your fellow Catholics and Christians closer to Christ. To donate, visit thequestatlanta.com. The Quest presents Mom Minutes with Cameron Frad from Among the Lilies. I don't know about you, but I feel like before I had kids, I was going to be the best and greatest mom in the entire world. I had these dreams and these, um, I was going to do crafts with my kids. I was going to be patient all the time and never yell or scream or get frustrated. And then when I had a child, it was much different. I feel like the Lord handed me a really hard baby who was um, colicky and crying all the time. And I realized I, it was just a lot harder than I was expecting. I was recovering from a C-section and I just didn't know what to do. And so I had to rely on him that much more and pray like, okay, Lord, give me the grace. I don't know what this baby needs. Help me, help me in this moment. So if that's you right now, just know you are not alone and turn to the Lord and ask for prayers. Okay. Just ask. He's there. He wants to help. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. We're back in the family room on AM 1160, The Quest. Welcome back to the family room on AM 1160, The Quest. We're here again with Dr. Bob Schutz, and we've been talking about his book, Be Devoted, which uh, we're getting a lot of incredible information from that's going to help our marriages. But one of the things we love to talk about here is the family room and memories, whether it be growing up or whether it was in your marriage. Was there anything that you want to share from your memories of a family room experience that you want to share with our guests that, um, I don't know, that maybe we can maybe resonate with all of us? Yeah, I have two memories coming to mind as you ask that, so I'll try to share them both briefly. One was uh, in our living room of our family home growing up. I just remember sitting on my dad's lap and him reading books Mm -hmm. to us and uh, just the warmth of that intimacy you know, in contrast to that. And then we had a basement family room. Uh, it was a three-story home in Pittsburgh, and the basement was where Christmas was laid out. And so I can remember very vividly all seven of us children lining up on the steps down to the basement, my parents being downstairs, and uh, just the joy of one by one, from youngest to oldest, walking in and seeing Christmas laid out and and then we would sit down there and play all day. Uh, 
And again, my dad being very active and engaged and involved. So there was a lot of really good memories of connectedness in the family room. That's great. That's great. And, you know, that's our goal here. Um, we created this this family room on the radio so that people will, you know, have that connectedness, have that opportunity to remember those times. Um, but it's also a real place too. tough stuff happens in the family room, tough conversations happen in the family room. So that's what that's what we're talking about is also. Um, so, Dr. Schutz, in your book, one of the um, we were just talking before the break about how we appreciate the practical parts of what you share with us in your book. Um, um, and in the way that you uh, work in your retreats as well. And one of the things you said was uh, putting God first protects you from idolizing your marriage or looking to your spouse to satisfy all your needs. You said that and then you said that um, that prayer and worship needed to be the center of your life and the cornerstone of your marriage. How did you do that? Practically, how did you do that? You know, I know that there, uh, it's something that we need to do individually, but is there a, a practical, some practical advice you can share with others who would like to do, um, do this as well? Yeah, I have lots of different thoughts about that, but I, I think about in my own marriage, even though I had a faith in God, because of my parents' divorce, I put so much pressure on my marriage to be, different than my parents' marriage. And so there was an idolatry there Mm. that was invisible, but it was real. Uh, And it was only after getting to that crisis that things got put into right order, which is putting God into that place. And I'd say the first practical was the hunger, just the hunger for uh, a relationship with God. You know, that a lot of times it's in, in our struggling that we hunger more. And so to take whatever places of struggle and rather than try to fix them, turn them into prayer, turn them into mm-hmm. uh, into focusing on, on God. Uh, a second practical, couples praying together if they're open to praying together. And in the book, I talk about praying the, our Father together. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's a very simple prayer. We say it so fast, but if you think about it in relation to marriage, it's beautiful. So it's, two of us coming together before the Father as children. Our Father, Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're putting you first. May your kingdom come and your will be done in our marriage as it is in heaven. Mm. You know, in a very practical way, may we do your will. May your kingdom of love come into our marriage. Uh Give us this day our daily needs rather than let's try to be anxious and trying to figure out how we're going to meet everybody's needs. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to bring our needs to you and trust you for financially, uh, raising the children, solving problems. You're going to be the center focus there. Uh, forgive us our trespasses as you forgive us. And to, to not go to bed angry, that every day having reconciliation and forgiveness be the key uh, focus of you know, forgiving, forgiving each other as God forgives us and whatever places we fail to go to God for forgiveness until we can go to confession. Um, and then deliver us from evil. This is a spiritual battle as we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. So deliver us from evil. God, we need your help. Uh, protect us from the temptations that would pull us away. Temptations to resentment, temptations to uh, pornography, temptations to other intimacy 
outside of the marriage that would interfere with the marriage, temptation to put our kids first. Mm-hmm. You know, there's thousands of temptations to put our work first and materialism. And, and so all of those are practical ways of praying for the needs that happen every day in a relationship. So that would just be one example. That's incredible. And instead of us just rotely, like we do, like by rote, just saying the Our Father and get, having it done in like 13 and a half seconds or something, right? It sounds like you could actually spend like 30 minutes just turning this into a conversation yeah. between the three of you, you know, you, your spouse and God. Yeah. And your day can be a prayer, yeah. you know, just the, those things being part of your day. Uh, another simple prayer, just a prayer of thanksgiving for our spouse mm. and, and specific God, thank you for, for my wife and her sensitivity and her uh, cheerfulness and the way she loves the children. May you bless her and continue to strengthen it. That, just that kind of simple prayer uh, builds that bond of spiritual unity. Now, that's beautiful. You're always putting God first and then bringing him in to heal, to guide, to direct. You know, But to your point, and we as men, frankly, are terrible at it in a lot of ways because that requires an emotional tie. That requires you know, getting out of my head and letting God move me. And um, we need to surrender that in a lot of ways. And as, as guys, we have a hard time with that. So any guys listening, any wives listening for your husbands, you know, pray for that. Pray for them to be open, that their hearts open up to letting the Holy Spirit really guide them and move them and uh, be open to God fixing those things and healing those things in our life that uh, may be a challenge. Um Practically, and again, we spoke earlier, I love what you do practically. In your book, you talk about five key areas of unity, and you list out the areas, and you talk about the areas, the means, and then the obstacles. Could you, not quickly, but could you go through those with us and kind of give our listeners a sense of what they are and how those things can be um, very healing and very directive in our relationships? Yeah, if you think about them as kind of, the layers of a, of a house, you know, and the scripture says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. So you think about the spiritual unity we just talked about as the foundation of the house, because God is love. And if we don't have God in the marriage, we don't have real love in the marriage. So uh, our, our foundation is spiritual unity, then emotional intimacy that you just mentioned, you know, the difficulty sometimes of being emotionally intimate uh, for men, especially but just that importance of being able to share what's going on, both the vulnerability of this is what I need, this is how I feel, uh, this is where I'm hurt, uh, this is where I'm sorry for hurting you, this is where uh, I had joy today, all that is emotional intimacy. Um, this is what happened in my childhood that hurt me. Mm. Those are examples. And then after emotional intimacy is... Uh, daily companionship and it's the invisible one in the relationship it's just all the things we do together and sometimes we're not even aware that's the little kisses hello and goodbye the hugs holding hands sitting next to each other on the couch eating dinner together uh, folding laundry um, washing dishes uh, taking care of the kids you know just all the ways in which we go through life as companions and you know uh, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man and women to be alone, but to have a companion. And so many of us get married in part for that companionship. And uh, I didn't realize how powerful it was until after Margie was gone. And I, several things I would 
you know, wake up in bed and she wouldn't be there and just realize how much just laying in bed side by side was a companionship. Or I'd go on my first trip to do a conference and pick up my cell phone to call her and mm-hmm. realize she's not there on the other end. Mm-hmm. Realize that that companionship went beyond miles. It was it was something that was built in there. So that's companionship. It's the third. So spiritual unity, um, emotional intimacy, companionship, and then cooperative teamwork. And this is being able to take all the ways in which we might have conflict in the marriage, different ways of doing things, different ways of seeing things, and learning mutual submission, learning how to submit our wills to God's will so that we can hear each other and cooperate with each other. And I you know, talk about an experience of uh, buying a house and my wife and I and, and uh, be devoted and also an unveiled and, you know, just how difficult it is to resolve those issues until we're both surrendered. Mm-hmm. So we both have really let go of trying to control our way and are open to God's way. So that's the fourth is uh, teamwork. And then the fifth is sexual intimacy. And sexual intimacy is actually the top level. It's built on the other four levels. And we know this in marriage, whenever the other four levels aren't there, sexual intimacy begins to weaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, one person becomes more interested than the other. Uh, there's a sense of our bodies coming together, but our hearts are distanced from each other. And, you know, sexual intimacy, sexual lovemaking, sexual unity is really a unity of the whole person. It's bringing the whole of marriage into that uh, intimacy and lovemaking. And it's you know, free, full, faithful, and fruitful love. So those are the five areas. That, you know, we could go through practicals with each one if you'd like, uh, but I just wanted to throw out the, the, the big picture first. Thank you, Dr. Schutz. Listeners, if you're just joining us, you're listening to The Family Room on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. And we're talking to Dr. Bob Schutz, mostly from his book on Be Devoted, and it's uh, it's powerful. So uh, uh, we're, we're, we're very grateful for um, for this time and for your joining us. Dr. Schutz, let's talk about um, healing. It's really hard to be in a relationship with somebody who has never been hurt or to be a person who has never been hurt. So can you talk about how important healing and restoration is and, and maybe share some of the ideas that you shared in your book? Yeah, I, I, to your point about it's hard to be in a relationship with someone who's never been hurt. Uh, if you find one, I'd like to see it. I haven't met him yet. <laughs> I haven't met him. <laughs> because uh, anywhere there's sin, there's hurt. And my own sin hurts me and everybody else and everybody's around me. Any place where love is not present, there's hurt. Uh, from childhood on. So we all have plenty of it. And so we all build up these expectations uh, of how we need to protect ourselves from being hurt, which is what makes it difficult to be vulnerable, which makes it difficult to pray together, what makes it difficult to trust each other in companionship. So healing is a daily thing. You know, what I was talking about before, never going to bed with anger, resentment, that's healing. You know, to, to, to resolve issues together is healing in the marriage. Um, healing uh, involves both things from the past and things in the present. And if you're attentive, you'll begin to see that the things in the present also have roots in the past. Mm. That the way that we hurt each other in marriage 
kind of on a daily basis, is often a reflection of how we've been hurt and also how we've hurt others in the past. So, you know, we, we have to develop a character of Christ to be able to love as he loves, but few of us start marriage that way. and Even few of us have it at the end of marriage, uh, but we're moving in that direction. But to, to the extent to which we don't have that character, that quality of love, we hurt each other. So we need to be able to repair that. And, you know, I, in the unveiled retreats, I do a demonstration of a couple that goes to confession to confess their sin, which is reconciliation with God and the church. But they also need to come back and reconcile with each other. Mm. And, and that reconciliation brings a healing. Sometimes the healing is not about how we've hurt each other, but helping each other heal from the wounds that happen outside of the home, maybe from in-laws or from siblings or from a supposed friend, or even from a good friend, or from the children, uh, or from a hurt that happened in child. Somebody had an experience of bringing sexual abuse into the marriage, and we just had a podcast on that uh, a couple of times ago on Restore the Glory. It's really beautiful sharing of the couple of how they healed each other. Another podcast we did was on uh, somebody who brought pornography into the marriage, and the couple's healing, the healing in the marriage with that. So a lot of times we bring stuff in that needs to be healed because it's interfering with our capacity to love and to trust. And then sometimes we perpetuate the need for healing by the way we hurt each other. Just curious, in I think it was in your book, you mentioned how uh, premarital sex, you mentioned contraception, can create those kinds of wounds that need to be healed as well that frankly I don't think most of us even recognize because we figure either well I went to confession I confessed and so it's over with or well you know I'm dating this person I'm going to marry him anyway I love him to death if we have premarital sex it's not going to damage anything but that's another lie I think a lot of us have bought into yeah and, and, and you know right you're reading right out of my own story in that book as I talked about I I thought I've only had one sexual partner, which was my wife, so I was all good. But I started being sexually intimate with her before marriage, and we contracepted. And I didn't realize until many years into the marriage that we were bringing death into the marriage rather than life mm-hmm. by contracepting. And we were creating a, a foundation that wasn't based in God. And so the order of our foundation of our house was out of order. We may have had emotional intimacy and sexual intimacy, but without developing really the cooperative teamwork or the companionship in a way that marriage does. And we certainly weren't honoring God's order for sexuality. So our spiritual foundation was was faulty. And so it really set up a poor foundation in our marriage. But there's also, if there's been any kind of sexual relationship with somebody other than your spouse. We don't think of it this way, but it's, it's actually an adultery before marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an adultery because it's, if God has ordained the two of you to be get together for life and you've had sexual intimacy with somebody else, that was giving yourself to somebody other than your spouse. And we can't give ourselves sexually and emotionally without there being some consequence to that. And so each of us, if, if either one or both had been involved in other relationships, there's a part of your heart that was given in that relationship. And it's what's called 
uh, unholy soul ties. Mm. And so those soul ties have to be dealt with. Those bonds with former lovers have to be released and forgiven, but also healed, but also the betrayal uh, that happened because of that. Even though your spouse wasn't in the picture then, it's still a level of betrayal there. And it's hard for us to look at that. But those are the kind of things that happened as I went through my own healing journey and my own spiritual growth as I began to come to an awareness of, you know, the wounds were so much deeper and my sin was so much more impacting than I imagined. Hmm. So Dr. Schutz, you know, as you share that, one of the things that strikes me is how many resources you offer in this book, Be Devoted. Um, and one of the things you do offer, you just talked about these unholy soul ties. You offer these um, appendices in your book where you've got prayers for fostering that union, unity that can be broken when that happens. And you had one especially for renouncing unholy soul ties was one in here as well. Um, as you put your book together and you and you put these appendices in here, is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners um, that's important about um, being able to use some of these tools that you've offered? Yeah, I find for most of us, and even I was a marriage and family therapist, but we need to be guided because mm -hmm. of the culture and mm -hmm. the distortions in the culture. We need to be guided into how to love each other well. And so the, the idea of Be Healed or Be Devoted uh, was to give a guide for how to build a good foundation in the marriage, but also how to heal the marriage. And so those resources, the questions at the end of the chapters and the resources uh, that were in the back of the book were meant to be tools that are used to help live out what God intends for a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the desire. That's great. Uh, so listeners, um, we will have a link to all of Dr. Schutz's uh, materials on our um, show notes and on our website. If you go to um, thequestatlanta.com, you'll be able to see that. And we would highly recommend his book. There is so much uh, in here. But we'll also remind you of his podcast, um, Restore the Glory, and um, he'll give us some other things to link to. So please just know that you're just getting the tip of the iceberg during our conversation with him today. And we've got about five minutes left. Um, with Dr. Schutz, this has gone really fast. Yeah. So one of the things that you, um, one of the things you, I think that's so important for us to know is when you talked about the five key areas, that the spiritual area is foundational. And it's been very apparent that in that, in that, as we've talked through this conversation, um, and you gave us that beautiful example of praying the, our father together and how we can do that. But because we live in a fallen world, we do have that situation where maybe we don't just come together as a couple. It's not so easy sometimes to pray together. And even though we want to offer the hope to our listeners from the powerful research that you shared in your book, that married couples who regularly pray and worship with each other are generally happier. And that they also, if they can pray daily and formally worship at least weekly together, that they stay married, which is great. But what do you, advice do you have for those couples where maybe I'm really excited about praying? I've listened to this radio show. I've taken your advice. I'm really excited to pray with my spouse, but my spouse maybe isn't very uh, excited about praying with me as well. And I know you face that. Um, what what advice or what encouragement would you give to our listeners? Yeah, I, I did. And it was painful. Uh, you know, Margie's spiritual fervor was not at the same level as mine, and so she was uncomfortable praying together. And even for a period of time in our marriage, she didn't go to Mass and worship. And those were really deeply painful places. Um, and, you know, I understood her story, and so I, I was able to give her freedom to, 
to worship as she felt called to worship and to pray as she felt called to pray. And so what I, what the, as I prayed with that, prayed about that, what I heard from the Holy Spirit was that I could pray for her even if she wasn't praying with me. Mm-hmm. I could pray for our marriage. So that became a daily activity is praying for our marriage and praying with us. And when we would go on vacation together, she would make a gift of praying the rosary together. And so mm-hmm. it was her way of giving what she could give outside of the normal uh, space where it was just us. Uh, and so that was a real gift that she gave on her part. But the gift that I could give was not to demand that she do what I wanted her to do, but that I just give in prayer for her, for our marriage, uh, and the fruit of that prayer for us. And so I think that's the important thing is that if you have a call to pray, even if your spouse doesn't, just pray anyhow. Mm. Pray for your spouse. Pray to our Father. Pray every way. Bring all the needs uh, to God, and He'll hold you together, and He'll also give you the grace that you need day to day. And Margie could see the fruits of those prayers. That that was the beautiful thing. That's so encouraging. That's great. Yeah. One of the things that we all know the beauty of our faith is uh, the Mass, and you know all that. Christ pours out to us in the Mass. And we have about two minutes left, but would you talk quickly, you talk about how worshiping together at Mass brings us into Christ's self-offering. And would you just kind of walk us through how that happens during the Mass for a couple? Yeah, it's really a beautiful uh, living Christ love together in worship. Uh, so we come into Mass and there's a penitential rite, so it's it's right away coming into Mass and being aware of the areas where I haven't loved well mm. in, my, in my relationship and asking for forgiveness for that. And then really listening to the Word of God. Well, first of all, praising God together, mm-hmm. which gets our focus on Him and giving the glory to Him rather than living out of our egos. And then really listening to God speak to us and how to live that out in our family and in our marriage, uh, just from the Word of God, that He's speaking intimately to us. And then as we move into the petitions, recognizing that we carry things in our hearts, that He's wanting to hear us and hear what we desire. Uh, and so some of that's about our marriage and about our family life. And then as we move into uh, the offertory, it's offering ourselves to, on the altar as putting all the issues that we're dealing with, putting all of our desires, putting all of ourselves, putting our marriage and family on the altar so that it's consecrated, so that we're having the gifts consecrated, we're joined with the body of Christ being consecrated to him as a couple. And so by the time we say the Our Father together again, we're praying in unity. We're offering peace to one another that's a genuine peace. And then when we have communion with the Lord, we're sharing in that communion. And so it's it's the heart of that spiritual unity. And then as we get commanded to go out and serve the Lord, that we're we're seeing that not only out in the world but in our marriage, that we're we're to bring that communion that we've experienced in the mass out into our life day to day. And this is perfect timing for us. It's time for us to go out into the world. So Dr. Schutz, maybe if you would just close us with a quick prayer, that would be most appreciated. Yeah, I'd be happy to. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for the family room and for our hosts and for every listener. 
and for the love of your truth and the desire to live love as you've called us to love. And Lord, you know our weakness, you know our frailties, you know our brokenness. We just pray that you would pour grace out to each one of us so that we could see and hope that we could live more of the vision that you have on earth and in heaven. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dr. Schutz, and thank you, listeners. Please join us again next week in the Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the Family Room. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.